Got a few notes here. Oh, that's a blank page. <laughs> <laughs> Snuck hey, in there. Blank page. The most important note. That's the void. That is the, the void page. right there, yeah. Hello, and welcome to Filling in the Gaps. I'm Justin. I'm Darren. Today we are going to discuss the movie Enter the Void. It is from 2009, written and directed by Gaspar Noe, I believe it's pronounced. This movie's a long one. At least the version we got was 2 hours and 41 minutes. Yeah. I believe you said that there is a shorter version. Yeah, he promised the producers and stuff like that. If it ran over 2 hours, he would make cuts. The information on the Internet Movie Database is 2 hours and 41 minutes, so I take this as we watch the official version. I mean, I, I think that's the director's cut, but when I went on Wikipedia to look it up, it just calls it the international version, whatever the heck that means. That's interesting. Also kind of wondering if some things got censored. We're going to have to talk about that in just a second. Mm-hmm. As far as age, I don't see a rating for this one, which seems weird. That would be very weird. <laughs> so I don't know if it just hasn't been updated on the Internet Movie Database or wherever I was looking, but that would be it unusual said for not rated. To drop the ball on that, wouldn't it? Like, not rated? Why? Mm. I am not exactly sure how much falls onto the database to do as opposed to the people putting the information in. I highly suspect that a lot of these, the people are putting them in themselves. So the people who make the movies, produce the movies, they are putting that information in. Now, I could be wrong, but I suspect that's the case of why some international movies just aren't even in it at all. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Rotten Tomatoes. Critics, 72% fresh. Audience, 71%, so pretty much in sync. Though remember that that can be varying because that means basically anything three out of five stars and above. Mm -hmm. They get a 60%. IMDb has it at 7.2, so again, pretty much right on par. And 7.2, that's usually where things are pretty watchable, Mm -hmm. pretty interesting. As far as this movie, before we get into whether or not we would recommend it, I am going to put a huge warning on here if you suffer from seizures yes that opening credit scene holy moly that first two minutes and maybe 30 seconds that could kill you it's really it's not a joke i don't suffer from that you don't suffer from that no but i think that we both have said that was pretty rough to sit through yeah i mean it was the first thing well it's obviously the first thing that you see not always the first thing you see in a Gaspar Noé film, but in this one, it's just like, yeah, it's hyper fast, flashing colors. I said, as I was watching it, I paused the video after that. It was two minutes and 20 seconds. And I just said, it's the most intense, insane two minutes and 20 seconds credits I've ever seen. It was just like a sensory overload. And then when I paused it and went to my, like I said here, my crisp white page of a Word document, it was like my reality was off. You know, like when you play... Dance Dance Revolution or Guitar here, and you've got that when you're fixated on that moving screen and then if you look at your hand and your hand starts to warp and stuff like that, you know, the lines in your hand. I felt like I was on drugs after watching that 2 minutes 20 credit scene. Well, I think it's a bit like those visual illusions yeah. where you stare at the image with the dot in the center, right. you stare at the dot, and then when you look at a white page, the image is still somewhat burned on your retinas and you can see yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. It's rough, though. Yeah. 
And also rough are a lot of the things that we are going to have to talk about today because we cannot talk about the movie without talking about some of these things. There's going to be sexual content. There's going to be violence. There's going to be a surgery, which I'm not sure how I'm going to handle that one. I'll figure it out when we get to it. A lot of this stuff I'm going to have to figure out when we get to it. I mean, I will try to rein it in, but I'm just going to say this is probably not safe for work. I'm going to say this one is one of those where if you have trigger warnings for any of these topics, these are probably an indicator that this movie and this episode may not be the one for you. I will also warn you that the majority of the movie is in first-person POV, including Head Bob and Worse. We have talked before about, I don't know if it was this podcast or the other one, but you hate Head Bob in games and you're always trying to turn it off. Yeah. I usually don't notice it, but boy, I really noticed it in this movie. I think it's a big difference if it's a movie or a game. Mm-hmm. I think in a game, I have a bit more control. In a movie, I have zero control. I'm the opposite. In a game, when I have control, of, I want to switch it off. I didn't mind it so much in, in when I'm watching a movie. I'll just let it go. As far as this movie, do you recommend it? I would, but only to certain people that I know would be into this or that would enjoy this in some kind of way. It's not, I mean, enjoy. As an experience, for some of my friends, yes, but I would not just recommend this to a stranger. Let me ask you this. If we weren't doing it for the podcast, would you have recommended this movie to me? Probably. Would you have? Yeah. I mean, I recommended you Bad Boy Bubby. That's true. I hated this movie. (laughs) I thought so. There are just too many things about this movie that are sort of my pet peeves of what I do not like. There were too many style choices I did not like. And when it comes to the actual story, I just feel like it isn't there. And this movie tends to, it tends to tell you what you're going to see before you see it. Yeah, yeah. That really, I mean, I'm a very anti-spoiler person and you're spoiling your whole movie constantly. Right. And they do spoil it within the first 30 minutes because it takes a long time to get there. Yes. And that's definitely something I said is, well, this walk is a whole list. It's an outline of everything we're going to see overall for the movie, which it, it can work, but I don't think it can work if that's all you're giving. You have to give a lot of red herrings in there as well, which I didn't really feel like we got. Right. I'm not sure I would recommend it to anyone, but that's because I didn't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I think the only people I would recommend it to are people who really love indie who love movies that are maybe meant to shock you, because I think this one a few times is is thrown in there meant to shock you. I would say people who really like the artistic imagery, who want to see what can be done with that, perhaps. There are definitely a couple of things in here that feel unique, but it's not enough for me to really want to push anyone to watch Mm. this movie. And I think particularly the problem is the two hour and 41 minute runtime. I think... At most, this is a 90-minute movie that's been stretched, and I really feel like what it really should have been was multiple short films, which would have been really amazing short films, but don't hold up thrown together as a full feature. Yeah, for me, the movie didn't feel long. In fact, I wrote somewhere, I had to take a break because when I put the film on, I was like, all right, I expected it to be an hour and a half normal film, and then I put it on really late at night. And then I saw the playtime. It's like, ah, oh, right, I'll try. But I just got so tired because I really have to get up early, like tomorrow morning. So I had to stop. So I felt sad that my one regret about watching this film is that I didn't get to watch it all in one sitting. And I, re- I feel like I really should have because 
Uh, I felt like I should have seen this in the cinema and just sat through it, the whole thing, because nothing felt long to me. It didn't feel too long. I think what they were going for, it felt like a drug experience. But even though everything was long and drawn out, you're either in the mindset where you're like, oh, you're looking at your watch going, come on, or you're just taking it in. And that's what I was doing. I was just sat back in my chair, taking it in and just letting it do its thing. And then I'd look at my watch and then I'd be like, oh, 20 minutes have passed. Time went fast for me. This is where you and I vary, vary. <laughs> I, I do not like this kind of artistic just experience. Yeah. I feel like it gets in the way of story, especially when I just feel like, as, as I'm going to get to later in the spoiler section, just we don't get a lot of character development, and that is what I want in the movie. This is more an artsy experiment, I think, for you who loves walking sims. Yeah, this is much more your type of thing. This is not my type of thing. So you and I will definitely vary on this. You are going to like these kind of movies, and it's going to take a special one to make me go, oh, that was worth it. Right. But with that, I think it's time. Let's If you, if you want to see it, see mm -hmm. it. If you just want to hear us talk about it to kind of see if you even want to sit through the two hours and 40 minutes, I'm not going to completely warn you against that. I think that... <laughs> We are going to hopefully do it in about an hour. We, we, <laughs> hopefully shorter than the actual film, yeah. Yeah, we may be a time saver for you in yeah. that respect. But either way, here it is, your spoiler warning. In my notes, I just put, is he kidding with these opening credits? <laughs> I mean, I, I liked it, though, because when I saw it, by the time it finished... <laughs> you felt so punished and tortured you would accept anything he no, gave you after No, not that. at all, not at all. I, I, I've never seen anything like this in my life for a start. I've never seen any opening credits like this in my life before. No, and I don't think that we ever should again. Not only is the flashing awful, but I believe these are the only credits. And yeah. they are pretty much unreadable. Mm -hmm. If I worked on this movie, and I put in <laughs> months of work into this movie... And his name is all over the place in every language. <laughs> but where are the key grips and the lighting people? Where, where are their names? I didn't see those because they flashed by too fast. Well, if you pause it on like the 17th frame, then you'll catch it. <laughs> Again, though, and I think you're right to say that this would probably be better in the cinema. I think this is meant to be a film festival type of yeah. movie. Yeah. And if I was in that mindset, I think I would be a bit more forgiving of it especially sitting in that audience and maybe other people are reacting and realizing maybe they're not as miserable. However, if they were as miserable as me, we would kind of spiral and make it even worse. <laughs> but it could have been a different experience. And I think being completely immersed in that, as opposed to me sitting here watching it on my computer. Alone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> where I have a million other things that I would rather be doing than sitting through some of these CG scenes of lights and flashing. It would have been better to sort of trap me in that and make me sit through it. I still don't think I would have liked it. I think I would have actually, in some ways, liked it less because I couldn't control anything. Whereas at my computer, I have a lot of control. And I tried desperately not to. But after the first, I think, hour... I really started to lose patience. And there was a point where I was just not going to get through this movie if I didn't start fast forwarding through some of the light trippy scenes mm -hmm. because they didn't interest me. I didn't find them that visually interesting. I referred to them in my notes as something like, oh, here's another kaleidoscope scene. Yeah, fair enough. 
and it just didn't work for me. So for me to speed that up a bit to get to the next part of the story, story, I'm just not sure I would have made it through otherwise. I, I would have made through it if I sat in the cinema. There's something about being in the cinema where I feel like I'm here, I'm in it from beginning to end. But if I'm watching something at home, not as much. This one, I'm just not That's sure. That's why we go to the it. cinema, though, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> to trap ourselves. To yeah, to trap it. ourselves there. I think it's more just to oh, Because we want to see out. it as well. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and to remove temptations to do, like, oh, I can go and wash the dishes now <laughs> or something like that. At two minutes and 15 seconds on the one that I was watching, we get a title card that just says Enter. And then we cut to a glowing Enter sign. I guess it's the name of a bar or something that's across from his apartment balcony. Mm. The movie is going to look at a plane. Oscar is going to ask his sister, Linda, to come out and say, oh, would you like to know what the view looks like from there? And she's like, no, I'd be scared of falling and dying. I did in my notes already put a sister question mark. There's something about the first person point of view, where the camera is hitting, what she's wearing. Yeah. Felt a little off already yeah and maybe that's a good thing because that ties into the whole movie so maybe that is good that right away i get that Mm. but i really don't feel like i should get that yet maybe that's just my preference oscar is going to say quote they say you fly when you die (laughs) yeah we're gonna get a lot of that oscar yep oscar has alex's book on buddhist theories of reincarnation And she says, oh, what, are you going to be Buddhist now? Like, all religions are the same. Don't fall for that. Already through this first scene, I'm going to say that there is a huge pet peeve for me in the fact that we're in first-person POV, which is already iffy. Few movies have done it, and even less have done it well. The head bobbing I did not like, but even more than that are the blackouts for blinking. Yeah, yeah. I'm already blinking with my real eyes. Mm Mm-hmm. It feels like I'm double blinking now, and you're just making me realize that these are definitely not my eyes. Right. You have basically ruined the one thing you're trying to do with the first-person POV, which is make me feel like I'm in it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I like this. I thought it was really well done, like that scene where he's at the mirror washing his face. Even the towel goes over, the the water splashes, everything. It's like, I thought it was really well done. You can do that stuff, but that's not the stuff I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the long closing of the eyes when he's taking the drugs. I'm talking about the flashes of black here that are meant to be blinks. Mm. If they're not meant to be blinks, I don't know what they are. No, I think they were supposed to be blinks. But I'm already blinking. Yeah. So... How annoying is it to say blink and then open your eyes and it's black for a second and then it's like, what's going on here? Well, maybe that's the point. What's going on here? Well, that's the whole movie, but I just don't like that. And this is something I'm just going to say to any filmmaker out there who wants to do first person POV. I'm already blinking. You don't have to blink for me. The only times you need to do it are times where the character's eyes would be completely closed or they are knocked out. I think... Hardcore Henry did a better job with this. We're going to see Oscar lock the door, and he's going to smoke some drugs, and he's going to get a lot of voice over his stream of consciousness, what he is thinking. Now, from 7.26 to 11.34 is a massive long cut scene of kaleidoscope type imagery. Yeah, I just put it as a fractal journey, some kind of fractal hallucination. Yeah, it's, it's got some kind of drug imagery in there, but then it like morphs into neurons firing and bits of your brain melting and things like that. See, Again, I didn't even get that at all. It right. was just 
image after image. Mm. And I think that's part of the issue. I wasn't connecting to any of it. Just right. like, ooh, what would look cool? And it's like, well, it doesn't to me. The only thing here that I think is important is that at times he was leaving his body. We could see mm. him having the out-of-body experience that he's warned later he might have. Yeah. You know I'm a big fan of not using subtitles in games, but I had to switch on the English subtitles for this eventually. I couldn't understand a word some of these people were saying. This is another issue I've seen. Not many really negative reviews out there, but that is one thing that I've heard a lot of people say. Mm. Is, wow, why are some people really hard to hear and others not? There's some primer level mumbling in this movie, man. <laughs> and it seems to be at times for certain characters as well. Like, did you not mic them up enough? Did you not have enough mics? I don't know what was going on, but that just adds to my frustration of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to throw this out there as well. The acting is okay, but there's nothing particularly special about any of the performances here. And some of them, I feel, are not great. I think that's his thing, though. That's what he does. This is your first movie that you've seen of him, yeah? Yes. Right, so don't watch anymore. (laughs) That's all I'm going to say right now is don't watch anymore. You're officially done. You've done your your due diligence on this man because it's not going to get any better. But this is his thing. He takes actors who are maybe unknown or he did a movie. He just completely used professional dancers with no acting training. And he made a kind of horror, psychological horror movie with that. This is what he does, man. He does weird indie stuff. It seems unprofessional and badly acted and badly scripted in some places. But I really like what he's trying to do with most of his movies, even though he has a reputation for being this kind of shock director. I don't think he sees himself in that light. I don't think he's trying to do that. I think he's just trying to be a bit more gritty and real, but in an unreal situation. That's the best way I can describe it without sounding too artsy. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I just think that that type of movie is not for me. Yeah, yeah. As <laughs> as this one kind of proved <laughs> to me. There's a phone call that breaks him out of his stupor. Victor calls saying he needs drugs. He's at the void. There's going to be bits of hallucination breaking in over reality here. Oscar looks at himself in the mirror. He splashes a lot of water on his face. The doorbell rings. It's Alex. And he is one is just always hard to understand. And I don't think it's his accent. There's something wrong with his microphone. Yeah, this is where I turned to the subtitles. Because I was like, I know what you're saying is important. And I heard Tibetan Book of the Dead floating above yourself. Death. So it's like, I need to hear what this guy's saying. Because yeah. there's not much other dialogue in the movie, really, that much. It's like, here's your story part right here in this next 15 minutes. Alex is basically your exposition. Exposition, yeah. And he, he's the hardest one to understand, which is so frustrating. Again, not the accent. No. I don't really have a problem with that. He sounds like friends I know. But it's almost like we're hearing him from Oscar's microphone. Yeah, yeah. It, is, it is odd, yeah. Maybe that's what they were trying to do. But I am going to say... That's a bad choice. (laughs) Because we need to be able to hear him clearly. Yeah, and to be honest, I think he's one of the better actors in the film. I I liked him. I agree. If you do like him, I haven't watched it yet, but he did help make a 30-minute short as well, Mm. which I'm kind of curious about. Okay. Alex is going to ask about the book, and Oscar says, oh, I'm not done with it. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, borrow it as long as you need. And then, on the way downstairs and on the way to the void... They're basically going to lay out the whole movie, as I said before. Here's the whole movie. Alex is upset about Linda dating Mario, the Japanese owner of the strip club that she works at. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> at one point, Alex is going to say, hey, how about we see your sister later? And I just want to, like, see you, like, hang out or see you, like, because she's at work. Oh, and work. it's a bit weird. Oscar says he'll kill Mario if Linda gets pregnant. She's going to. No, he says he'll kill the baby. Oh, I thought you said he'd kill Mario. Yeah, I think he said if she if she ever gets pregnant, I'll kill the baby. Ooh, okay. Well, listeners, I'm pretty you, sure he said that. Listeners, if you watch, let us know what you yeah. think. I think he's saying that he'll kill Mario. Okay, okay. Because I, I don't think my subtitles were on at this point, but yeah, okay. Alex says, oh, that's too much gear, as in drugs. Victor should come pick it up himself. Victor doesn't come over anymore because he heard about his mother. At this point, we don't know what that means, but... Even I, like, I couldn't figure out what that meant at this point. Mm-hmm. That could have meant a million things the way that they were. This is the only real red herring here. What do you mean by that? But right. you could connect it later because Alex is also annoyed that Oscar is dating some older woman. He uses a rather derogatory term for her. Mm-hmm. When there are so many beautiful young Japanese women here, you're dating an older foreign woman. Why would you do that? We're going to find out that Oscar and Victor's mom are having... Well, she's having an affair. Yes. Yeah. Or would they be having the affair? How does that work? Um, Yeah, I suppose so. Share it equally. Okay. Reincarnation is about people who love the world too much to leave, so they become reincarnated. Alex is basically explaining the book a lot. Yeah. All the stuff about their lives is interspersed with this talk about drugs and reincarnation. DMT is a bad trip. All your nightmares become reality. And he also describes entering the womb. It's glowing and they enter it. He basically, as I said before, has laid out the entire movie in these like 15 minutes. And I knew it. They are very explicit here. And you're waiting for it. Or at least I was waiting for it too. But the thing was, I was waiting to see how they did it. So I knew what to expect. And I think the movie does this a lot where everything is very dry and, and drab and normal almost and boring to an extent you could even say right so it's like it is boring but it was always interesting at the same time like like (laughs) like like like, like these characters they're so boring they're so fake and like just plasticky you know but i think that's meant to reflect something you know It, it made me feel something what did it make you feel i don't know man it was like the experience of just going along with the whole thing was i like being a fly on the wall pretty much was a fly (laughs) for 75% of the film. I liked just seeing all these snippets of people's lives, like really bad lives, like horrible lives all spliced together and just like, I'm glad I'm not these people. It was just a weird experience. On the way, Alex is going to say, I can't wait to see your sister. Oscar says, she's still my sister, which is a weird emphasis. Which just hit me more like, that's odd. Yeah, there's like three or four bits in this movie that are... Well, definitely, but even this, this shouldn't be odd at this Mm -hmm. point. It shouldn't be weird. He could say, oh, that's still my sister. Like, I don't want you talking about wanting to have sex with my sister. Like, that's gross. But no, it's my sister. Yeah, of course it is. That doesn't change. Mm. That's a weird emphasis. There, There are issues here. Victor basically is framing Oscar. He apologizes as Oscar walks up. Oscar catches on to what's happening, runs to the bathroom, tries to throw the drugs down the toilet horribly. They go everywhere. (laughs) Everywhere he's got his hands in this like hole in the ground urinal. And he stupidly tells the police he has a gun and I'm going to shoot. Yeah. And so they shoot him. Yeah. 
in one of the worst special effects scenes of all time. Blood by just pop. <laughs> well, it wasn't even that. He had his hand on his chest or his stomach already. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then he's looking down at that. And then you hear the sound. And then he moves his hand away. It could have been done better just through a better edit. <laughs> you should have heard the sound and then immediately see him move his hands away. It's almost as though... You've done it in reverse. <laughs> well, it's almost as though he knows the special effect is coming. So he's put his hand there and waiting for the cue to move his hand away. Right. I didn't notice that, to be honest. I, I didn't see that. Uh, I'll have to go and watch that again. Watch it and see if you have the same impression. I don't think there's any squib or anything. Oh, okay. I think... Is it just CG? No, I think he just had fake blood under his hands, and he was waiting to move his hands away. No, because you see it shoot out. It was definitely a spray. Not when you're looking at his hands, I don't think. Ah, okay. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. We could both check it out again and see, but it, to me, felt very much like, when do I move my hands? Okay, now. Action. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes, it's all on him. It's all his fault. It's like, yeah, you don't tell the police, hey, I've got a gun. (laughs) should say, if anything, you say... I'm unarmed. Don't shoot. Oscar is going to leave his body. There's lots of strobe lighting. This is going to happen for like a minute and a half. He's going to look at the body. And since we're looking through his eyes as well, so what we're going to see. Yeah. I'm not going to say, hey, we're floating around because that's pretty much the entire movie now. Yeah, it is. So just understand when we go from place to place, we're floating there or teleporting through lights. Walls, damn plug holes, whatever. Yeah. This happens at what? He's dead at 26 minutes. And I was like, this movie still has two hours and 20 minutes to go. Yes. (laughs) So it's like, what Alex said before was, death is the ultimate trip, his exact words. And so if you think about it, Oscar is already on DMT and death. So he's like double tripping now. Perhaps. I think that it could definitely be argued as well that he's actually not dead at all. And that he's just tripping. I think so. Fast forward to the end of the movie, basically you're left with, is he dead? And is this the reincarnation story from the Tibetan Book of the Dead that Alex was talking about? Or is this just him literal life flashing before his eyes? And because he's on drugs, everything is way prolonged and it feels like weeks. Well, that's why the movie is so long for us as well and why everything is so slow. We're supposed to get that experience of everything being really stretched out and long. I get that. However, I need more story in here to keep it interesting for me. I think as well, Alex talked about some new drug that he had tried where he thought things had happened for two weeks. And oh, then Datura. Yeah, yeah. He didn't realize, oh, I didn't actually talk to that girl at all. Like, that wasn't yeah. real. So I think the argument could be made that this is all a drug trip. I think it could all be made that he's he's dead and imagining all this just before he dies. There's a million ways to look at that. I'm going to stick as much to reality as possible. I'm going to say he's on a drug trip, but then he died, and then he is a literal ghost floating around. Okay. What I will say is that at times, I think since he has no body and no sense of the world around him, he does not know when he's imagining things. Mm -hmm. Because to him, it all feels real. Yeah. There's one series in particular where I think that that's very important, and unfortunately... I feel like that would have been a much more interesting movie. But we'll get to that when we get to it. Mm -hmm. Linda is dancing at Sex Money Power, the strip club. We are going to see other rooms floating through somewhat like Snake Eyes. I don't suppose Mm -hmm. you ever... I've seen Snake Eyes, yeah. Okay. Nicolas Cage? Yeah. Mm -hmm. They did a lot of the same camera movements to go from room to room. 
And it's kind of interesting, but in this one, when you're doing it briefly, I, even in that one, it was not necessary, but it was interesting that they did a couple times. I could see in a Coen Brothers movie, they would know how to do this and when to do it, and it would be very interesting. Here, I mean, it's just all we get. It's the whole thing. By the end of my notes here, it's like, yeah, he just really fully leaned into this. Like, this is what we're doing. And you're either with it or you hate it. The thing that I thought was interesting about that whole overhead shot, dangling shot, is that it's not just looking down. It's like, it's almost like you're, and it's not like you're looking down from this angle, like more flattened. It's like you're upside down and tilting the wrong way, almost like you're at a 190 degree angle. It's like you're being hung from a hook pulled away and, and like thrown around a meat locker. It's, it's weird. It made me dizzy. For me, it didn't really hit as one angle. I thought they were changing it constantly. Sometimes the movements around like, oh, I'm going to turn around was too much. And I really feel like they shouldn't have done that. I understand what they were trying to do of say, oh, well, we're really in the, the spirit and we can move however we want. Mm -hmm. But to the viewer, it's very jarring and uncomfortable. Yeah. I like the city, how some of it looks tilt-shifted, where it almost looks like a model. And well, I think that's important because they have that model, they have the model we're going to see later. And that comes into play at the end, yeah, more. And I think that you're seeing what they want you to see with that. I would agree that that, to the filmmakers, that was important. Mm -hmm. We are, however, going to see Mario come into the dressing room and have sex with Linda. We go into Mario's head and see out of Mario's eyes. Yeah, I mean, that was the whole point when Alex was describing the book is like, you can go in and you can choose what you see. And then you can essentially at the end of the ride, you can pick a body. Right. But already with my inclination that there's something a bit inappropriate going on with the brother and sister, at least according to modern standards, and my <laughs> opinion, it's not really appropriate. I mean, this felt inappropriate as well. Oscar and Linda have a kind of weird relationship. Let's put it that way. Yes, I would agree. And then it's after this, I think we go back in time to the kids. We're going to get there. Before that, though, as this is happening, we're going to cut to Alex leaving a message. After Mario gets a knock on the door, he leaves. Linda gets the message and she breaks down. We are going to enter a lamp, more flashing lights. Mm -hmm. We're going to see a whole montage of Linda and Oscar as children laughing, crying in the bath. A lot of in the bath with their mother inappropriate again and playing just all sorts of happy memories boom car crash yes. <laughs> and we're gonna see this car crash over and over and over again yeah three times they talk about their pact as they're older and she's biting her thumb then we're gonna see them do the pact and kid cuts way too deep yeah it's like <laughs> you don't need a little nick out of your thumb you're gonna cut her finger off Linda is going to be taken away crying. Yeah, this is really important though, this part, because the whole thing with the truck, it does come back and it comes back in really jump scare kind of moments for me at least. That's what I think this movie is about as well. It's about trauma and it's about abandonment because even their own grandparents who are next of kin taking care of them, they send them off to the or orphanage and not only that, they separate the two of them. The, the grandparents don't separate them. I'm guessing that's the childcare services would have done that. But that feeling of uh, trauma and abandonment is a theme that comes up throughout the whole film. However, I mean, the grandmother looks at really <laughs> awful shit. She does. I mean, she's on an oxygen tank. Linda, as young Linda, is you saying, what is going to happen to us when you die? <laughs> <laughs> I highly suspect that the grandmother just couldn't take care of them. Yeah. 
That's it's still pretty rough, man. That's family. It is rough. It is. And abandonment issues. I get that. But the thing for me is I got that the first time. And then when we get it multiple times, it just feels like you're giving me the same thing over and over again. You're giving me extra seconds of it, but it's nothing new to me. It's not like, oh, that's what happened now. I mean, like we don't get the grandmother the first time around, but it doesn't do much for me to get that after I already know that they're going to be separated and that they're going to go to foster homes. So what difference does it really make? Well, I mean, just what I said, the sense of, of abandonment from your own family. You could do it the first time and be done with it. It doesn't make it that much more to me. Mm. It doesn't make it that much more impactful than it did already. Them being separated at the elevator as kids, that was enough. Mm-hmm. If you want to add in the grandmother, fine. But we don't even know if they really even knew the grandparents. We don't know anything about that's them. True. And that's a big part of what's missing. But they do seem to be a fairly well-off family. They're living in New York. They seem happy. This doesn't feel like a broken family when you see the flashbacks. You know, they're having picnics and on swings. Everything seems really happy. And If that's real. Let's assume that it is. I'm assuming that it is, yeah. This is where we're going to lead into, after he's talking about, oh, we went to different foster homes, we're going to see the Blacklight Village that Alex's roommate, I guess, right, put yeah. together. <laughs> Alex says, money is important, but dealing drugs is dangerous. Of course it is. Mm-hmm. So Oscar, of course, doesn't listen. For the most part, what I would say is when we are jumping between a lot of scenes, we're often going in and out of light. But we don't always, and I think that some of the times where we break out of that is interesting. For example, one of the times we break out of moving around is through Alex's painting. Right, yeah. Which I found that to be very interesting, I think kind of telling for why the character made his choice at the end. Mm -hmm. And also the paintings seem very similar to the cover of the book about the Buddhist theories on reincarnation. Right. I was wondering whether I'd heard that book before. And I, I racked my brain for so long, and then I finally remembered it was Aldous Huxley. Aldous Huxley introduced Timothy Leary to that book because both of them were experimenting with LSD and using drugs to kind of peel back your senses, whatever, to ascend, to get closer to the spiritual experience. So, so I looked up Huxley on Wikipedia because I was sure that on Huxley's deathbed, much like Oscar, in a way that I think is tripping and dying. Aldous Huxley was injected, his wife injected him with like 100 milligrams of LSD on his deathbed. And he basically tripped for the last six hours of his life. He died. This is one thing that I did not know. He died on the same day as uh, C.S. Lewis. And then both of them were overshadowed because it was the same day that Kennedy was assassinated. So it's like all these guys died on the same day. And there was something like award for the worst time deaths go to C.S. Lewis and Aldous Huxley. Complete tangent. Anyway, moving on. We're going to see a memory of Victor saying how his mother was a go-go dancer and she's really nice and you should meet her. Yeah. I love how he just comes out and says that. What a strange thing to say. Because <laughs> the look that she gives him as well, he's like, what are you doing? <laughs> they have dinner with the parents. And I think even the father is talking about her being a go-go dancer. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like, I met your mother there. I got a really bad STD or something like that. Like, This is not dinner appropriate conversation, dude. Come on. Victor's mother, she seems to be offering money to Oscar so that he can bring his sister over. Then they have sex. But as they are, there's flashing images of Oscar being with his mother. Mm-hmm. Mummy issues. And I think this is also where 
Oscar catches his parents having sex. Like as a kid, he mm. walks in the door, cutting to a couple having sex in the club. We're going to see Oscar flirting and kissing a girl in the club, gives her drugs. He's now dealing in a club. I'm not really sure what this is doing. I guess it's to show the progression of Oscar going from drug user to drug dealer. Yeah. And that's the other thing as well as before when we were, everything was first person, but now we've got this kind of awkward third person view where we're really tight behind Oscar's head for most of it. Which I think is more a way to indicate memory versus... Him watching himself. Like, this is the life flashing before your eyes kind of thing, but it's not flashing. It's very, very super prolonged, yeah. And again, a bit weird because your memories wouldn't have the back of your head in them, but I think <laughs> for us as the viewer, it is good to separate these things out. Yeah. Oscar's going to call his sister and say, hey, I've got enough for a ticket. And she said, oh, really? That's amazing. Can I just say something here? Yeah. I mean, the world now is different. I don't know about prices now, but I'll tell you, in 2009, it wasn't that ridiculously expensive. Not if you're talking just a plane ticket. Yeah, yeah. But they obviously don't have many skills on their CV, do they? No, and Oscar doesn't have a lot of money, but it leads me into how is he living in Japan? This is, and again, this is like us living in Asia. We know this is not real. <laughs> you, can't, you just can't do it. You can't just be like, you know what? I'm going to go and live in Japan. Uh, I don't think the immigration board would be too happy with that. I wonder if Alex is illegally living there, which sure. is why he disappears the way he does. Yes. And maybe Oscar is too. Mm -hmm. Maybe he came just to travel, but then he stayed. Right. Overstayed. That I could see. It has to be that. That's the, even when Alex is telling him, get a job, you know, you can work in a bar or something like that. These would be cash jobs. Cash in hand jobs, yeah. So it's like, he's not coming out here to teach English or, you know, whatever. He's uh, not an engineer. He's not an engineer. He's not, he's not working for an oil company. <laughs> it does feel just very weird. What are you doing here? And the only reason he seems to be here is because at some point when they were kids, the parents said, oh, we'll visit Japan someday. Yeah. Like, that's the only reason I can think why he even came here in the first place. Because he doesn't seem interested in Japan. No. At least not from what I've seen. Of course, we get very little of what their motivation is outside of the movie outline. Drugs and money. Which, again, is a problem for me because the characters feel very 2D. There's not much to them and they don't grow. They don't <laughs> learn this. I guess Linda's the only one who maybe grows a tiny bit, and even that's debatable. Mm -hmm. We're going to see Victor and Oscar's place. Oscar is trying off in front of him, which I would not be doing to you. And Victor's giving him some very nice looks. He's definitely into that, into Oscar. Which is part of why I think the whole you were with my mother thing hurts him the most. I think it's because he has some kind of feelings for Oscar. I would totally buy that. I think that that's fine. I don't think that it's really <laughs> expressed enough where I feel anything for Victor. Do you really feel anything for any of these characters? Who do you empathize with, if anyone? That's a, that's a good question. Yeah, because I really don't empathize with Oscar because it's like, you kind of did this yourself. This is your fault. Like I said at the start, I like Alex the most because I feel like Alex is like an older dude. He's still a druggie as well, but... He's got some experience and he feels to me like a bit of a mentor character. And he's trying to like, you know, don't mess up your life like I have. You know, try and get a job. He's trying to keep Alex like, you're becoming a dealer, yada, 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 you know. So he's trying to put Oscar on the right path. 
He's the closest one, I think. Even that is just kind of borderline. Yeah, it's borderline. It's like, yeah, who's your favorite person in the movie? Kids. (laughs) (laughs) Alex, for me, yeah, definitely. Linda, again, mm, I don't know. It's not enough to just say they had a tragedy, feel sorry for them. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Linda is a mixed bag for me. She's chaotic neutral, man. She's just all over the place. At this point in the movie, Alex is going to warn Oscar not to take anything from the drug dealer. You don't know what will happen. He's a terrible person. Oh, this this English weirdo guy in the flat. Yeah. Bruno, I believe. Bruno, that's right. Well, I'm sure I've seen that guy before somewhere. Did you recognize him? No, but I could see him being in other stuff, but I... Sure, seems some British thing, definitely. It's possible, or he looks like so many other actors he is who just play skinny... the, the, the skinny thug. <laughs> yeah, right? right, yeah. As far as walking there, they're on this top level of an apartment building, and Oscar says, I'm not going to jump from here, am I? Which is a very <laughs> weird question to ask. Why would you ask that? I think he means get thrown out, maybe. like, And then the, they tell the police, oh, he jumped. You know, I thought maybe he's worried that he's going to get murdered or something like that. If that's the case, okay. But otherwise, it's like, well, how would Alex know if you're going to jump or not? <laughs> you're the one who has to decide whether you're going to jump or not. There's a dude passed out in here, and I think he's the same one that's totally passed out the next time we come in this place. But yeah. the next time we come in this place, there are three guys passed out here. Yeah. There is also, after this bit, there's a black light scene over that model city with mm-hmm. the Love Hotel And Oscar says, oh, I can imagine everyone I know having sex in there, like a big orgy. I'm just like, stop telling me exactly what you're going to show me later. This is going to be the shocking ending now. Mm -hmm. I know this already. (laughs) Don't tell me this. Uh, Maybe it doesn't bother you as much because spoilers don't bother you as much. But Mm. I just can't stand a movie just red flagging everything they're going to do. Yeah. I I can see how that's a problem. For me, yeah, again, like, yeah, I don't really bother too much about that what really bothers me is when movies try to do the surprise ending they pretend that you weren't smart enough to know what it was but it's like we gave you all the hints but look we did it this this movie doesn't do that it doesn't say like gotcha in the end it's like no it tells you what's coming in it does that's it. true i think that is worse but this is close oh, getting to there <laughs> Alex is going to describe an out-of-body experience, which I'm not sure that we really need at this point. We're experiencing it. We're doing it, it, yeah. And also, I feel like you kind of already explained that at the beginning in that first walk. Mm. Oscar is going to pick Linda up at the airport. She's holding a teddy bear, which I think is meant to symbolize her innocence. It's the same teddy bear she had in the elevator. Yeah. So that's important, but I think she's kept it. But I think that it also symbolizes her innocence. She came to Japan innocent, and then she was turned to the dark side. (laughs) Sure, okay. It feels to me very much like oh, she came. She was so innocent and sweet, and she was like eighteen straight out of school, Mm -hmm. and now she's been turned to the drugs and the stripping and everything else, and that's what it felt like to me. Right. You get a very uncomfortable welcome scene as well for me. Is but, this the huge montage at an amusement park of her kissing his ear yes, over and over again? Yes. It's like, okay, that's it. It's finally sealed the deal for me now. There's something weird going on. The roller coaster they're on crashes into the truck and we're now back that. in the I car. love that transition, though. That was a real jump scare for me, and I, I liked it. It's a good transition. It would work better if this was the first time we were seeing this information. Maybe, yeah. And that's a big part of the thing. 
when you have a movie that is two hours and 41 minutes, I can't help but start in my editing head going, well, I would cut a lot of this. You hit a lot of these points over and over and over again. We could trim this down to, I would say, 90 minutes, Hmm. maybe even more. But I'd probably be getting rid of some of the stuff that you love the most that just irritated me. (laughs) I don't need four minutes of flashing visuals. Mm -hmm. I need about 10 seconds to show me that it's a transition between the mortal plane and wherever he's floating around. Yeah. But you love it. I do. I do. I can't help it. (laughs) We're going to see Linda. I think she's on the bed. She switches from being an adult to being a kid. It's almost like Oscar can't tell the difference. This is where we get the grandparents being old and saying, oh, yeah, you'll be taken care of. And then they get taken away. We see Linda cooking dinner pretty much in her underwear. Mm -hmm. Oscar takes Linda to a club, gives her ecstasy, and then gets mad that she gets drunk. And (laughs) what were you expecting? Alex won't dance with her, which was a huge mistake. That kind of leads to her demise because Mario sweeps in immediately. Yeah. And he's not the best guy. She gets wasted. She's taken to a place full of like glass and mirrors. She tries to kiss Oscar in a way that's definitely not appropriate. Even he pulls back from this one. She asks if she looks like a woman. (laughs) We also in this part get that Mario offered her a job. We know what the job is going to be. Yep. Oscar tries to threaten Mario. He's sitting there watching his sister dance. Hey, that's my sister. You better be good to her. And Mario's like, well, I'm not listening to you. Yeah, he says something like, be a better brother. Yeah. (laughs) Which is completely true. (laughs) Also, I think he's backstage in the dressing room and Oscar is going to offer drugs. Mario sees it and kicks him out. Mm -hmm. Linda stays out all night. Oscar is mad about that. And she said, what, are you jealous? But he just kind of walks out. Bruno is going to get Oscar. So everything is just, it's just cut, 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 right? We're, we're cutting through all the memories. Bruno is getting Oscar more weird drugs to try. And, oh, you have to be careful with that. If you drop it while you're smoking it, you might burn yourself. Next time I'll hold it for you, which felt like it was full of double entendre. Yeah. Oscar goes to Victor's place. He's touching the mother. Victor sees it. They all fight. The song Air has played both when... I think it plays like three times throughout this, which is a good song, but it almost feels cliche now. I don't know in 2009 if it did, but I'm going to tell you in 2022, it feels very cliche. When it came on, I was like, why do they keep playing the music from the Hamlet advertisement? This is like an ad we had in the UK advertising cigars. There's always this guy smoking a cigar and it was like, this music, was it air and a G-string would play over the top of it? And then it'd be like, Hamlet, the mild cigar. (laughs) (laughs) Just this dude living his best life. (laughs) It played when, I believe he was picking her up from the airport. It plays again here. It plays when the parents' memories, I think, one of them, like the, the good, it's basically the good times, the good times song, isn't it? I could see that, yeah. We're basically going to get the beginning of the movie to kind of play again. Yeah. Which, again, I'm kind of like, is this really necessary? I don't know. We have once... Because the thing is, this stuff, it takes three minutes to go through stuff we've already seen. Granted, way better than showing it in full time. I didn't want the full half hour again. (laughs) But 
it just feels a bit long to get where we've already been. And then we're going to get another set of long visuals. This one looks like we're going backwards through the inside of a snakeskin or something. At least it looked different mm-hmm. than the others. But this is, again, another, I think, solid minute of just pulling through these visuals. We're going to see Oscar's crime scene being cleaned up. This is where we really... We're just hovering as a spirit now, and this is pretty much for the rest of the movie. We're just in spirit form. Kind of hard to watch, as I said. Some of the twists and turns, I I understand that your spirit can do that, but it's very awkward to do as a viewer of the movie. This part definitely feels like it'd be better in video game form because I'd be in control of moving around. Right, yeah. And I could certainly see some people getting motion sickness from this movie. Yeah. Linda is identifying the body in the morgue. He's going to go into the body, but not in the way I want to yet. He's just using that as a portal to seeing Linda sleeping on a playground. It's really hard to tell how much time is passing. Yeah. Which I could understand in being spirit form. But the thing is, Alex, in many ways, I feel like his story takes place overnight. But Linda's, I feel like, is weeks and yet they still meet up at the end. So I'm not exactly sure how <laughs> that works, how time works in this movie. I think you might just hit on something there. That's why I think that this whole thing is just, I think he's a ghost. And I think this is just his last firings of his memory synapses and things like that. And he's just, he's cobbling together memories and thoughts and, and what Alex told him. Like basically the last thing that Alex told him was all about this reincarnation theory. And so this is his brain just, building something out of these weird memory blocks of Lego. Victor is in an interrogation room. The police are looking for the supplier. And I do believe they also ask about Alex, which maybe they're aware of Alex. And maybe again, why Alex is just eating out of a garbage can. Not yet, but he definitely (laughs) does that. Yeah, He's cold and he's sitting by a fire. We see cops outside of the strip club looking for more information. Linda is doing a pregnancy test. And basically, the second I saw that, I went, well, I know exactly where he's going now. Yeah. Like, I know where Oscar is going to end up. He's going to be that baby. Right. Just not this baby. I think he is going to be this baby. Really? Yeah. We'll get to that. But right. we have an hour left to go in this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, well, great. I already know what the what I feel is the quote-unquote twist of the movie, the shocking ending is. And I've got an hour to sit through. Doesn't put me in a good mood. <laughs> Yes, of course, the test is positive. Zero surprise there. Mm -hmm. We see Linda at the strip club. Air is playing again. We see Bruno at the bar. He's saying, oh, no, I can't get anything. I had to get rid of my stash. I don't know who... Essentially, Victor talked to or what he said. Victor has a fight with his parents. His father just slaps him to the ground. We're going to get a scene that I'm not exactly sure how to... It's an abortion scene. Yeah. This is why I said I don't think this is the body that he's going to go into, but he does pop in there for a little while. That's not Linda. Who is that? It's just some random Japanese girl, I think. Oh, I thought that was Linda. I thought that was Mario's uh, baby. I thought she was pregnant to Mario's kid. Because Linda was taking the test. Yes, but I don't think that was Linda on the table. Oh, well then, uh, yeah, I just put two and two together and got five then. I thought that was Linda. Maybe it is. Maybe I'm wrong. It would make more sense to me because the ending doesn't make sense otherwise. And that's something that I wanted to discuss with you. But if that's the case, I still don't think it's Linda on the table. Maybe we're to imply that that is what happened. I assume that's what she would do. Yeah, because she, t- she took the pregnancy kit. She puts the 
proof of life on the Tibetan Book of the Dead, you know, which is a, a little bit of a symbology going on there. And then it just cuts to that scene, doesn't it? And it's like, oh, yeah, so she's going to go and get an abortion. So, yeah, is it not her face? Do you see her face clearly? Is it definitely the, the other girl? Pretty sure. Okay, well, that then, yeah, I just blanked. Just All right, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. The listeners will tell us. I'll go back if they and actually want to watch it. Yeah, I'll go back and have another look. Yeah, because if it's not her, that doesn't really make any sense. And that was a huge because she's of my crying about it. She needs consolation. At the strip club again, there's a stripper who is trying to convince Mario that Linda is just using him. He tries to make a move on her, and she pushes him away. <laughs> my notes here are going to get pretty sparse. There's a lot more visual stuff that happens that. I just got to a point where I was like, I, I don't want to write down every visual thing that ever happened. And even up until now, there's a lot that I've skipped over. It's only stuff that I felt was important to the story or something. Mm. It said something. I especially didn't talk about the number of repetitions that we get with a lot of these things. We're going to look over Tokyo from above. We're going to see Linda is sitting there. We're going to see Alex calling, saying he needs a jacket. We teleport at this point out of Alex's painting, which again, I said, I mm -hmm. thought that was kind of important because usually it's out of fire, out of a lamp, something light. It's almost like his painting is a source of light, but in a different way. Linda says she should have listened to Oscar and dated Alex instead. Mario was just about sex, which I understand, but it again feels like Linda is making no real choices or decisions for herself. Yeah. So though... She has this realization of, I shouldn't have been with Mario. That was a bad idea. She is still just doing something that Oscar told her. She is not taking real responsibility for herself or making real decisions for herself. So even though this seems like a sort of arc that she's sort of grown a tiny little bit, I don't really feel like it mm -hmm. works for me. Alex is now eating out of the garbage. We're going to see women having sex and a guy shining flashlights and i'm pretty sure that it's linda and alex's roommate yeah or his roommate's girlfriend something like that this is one part that i know that was cut for the the edited version they completely clipped the scene and i can see why not only is it extra sex which we don't really need but it doesn't really add anything to the story yeah this is an easy one to go yeah we don't really need this one we're gonna go into the model and out into reality Linda says she wants Oscar back to life. So he goes into the body and now he's a zombie and he's stuck. He can't speak. Yeah. Linda hates it. I don't know what that thing is. That's not my brother. But for me, this was a much more interesting idea of what to do with this film. <laughs> and I would have liked for them to have played with this one longer and did a lot of the other stuff less. This idea of having mentally made himself come back been this weird abnormality of somebody who came back. I love the idea of... Big gunshot wound in their chest, walking around. <laughs> there are definitely other shows, other movies that have dealt with the idea of conscious zombies mm -hmm. and them being aware of what's going on. And I kind of like them. And this would have been before a lot of those. And I think that would have been interesting to play with. But no, it's just not real. Even with whatever we're going to label as real, this is not. Because we're basically going to get to a part where Alex is writing something graffiti like back to life or something yeah, on yeah. concrete walls. And he says, you're not really here. They burnt you because yeah, we've already seen him get burnt in the crematorium yeah, earlier. Yeah. 
So then he just jumps into the fire, basically. Yeah, though there is one kind of cool scene where he's splashing water on himself, looking at himself in the mirror, and there's a flash of him as more zombie-like. Yes, saw that. I enjoyed that, and that's, again, what I would have liked for them to have played with a bit more. I think that, for me, that's a much more interesting ending. This whole time, we were led to believe, oh, he's going to be reincarnated into, essentially, into a baby. What if this is his reincarnation? And to me, that would have been more messed up. That would have had the more shock value that I... I know you think that Gaspar Noé is perhaps not a shock director, not trying to do that, but... It's hard for me to agree, having watched this movie and some of the stuff that is thrown in here, you know some of it is shock value. If not, then you're just not aware. So I doubt that he made the whole movie without a few moments going, oh, this is really going to shock them. Mm. Yeah, I mean, again, taking someone out of their comfort zone is, is one thing. And when you do that to some people, then they would say that's shock value that's that's shocking but yeah i mean even like the abortion scene that is pretty shocking yeah it is though i think that the idea that he's trying to get into a body and that's why we zoom in on it I'm not even talking about the dead i'm talking about the process you know what they show you is it's pretty graphic yeah but at the same time even though that makes me really uncomfortable, think about all the people that actually have to go through with that and do it, you know? It's like... But to me, that's not even the part that I would say is the, ooh, this is the shock value. Mm -hmm. For me, it's the sheer number of sex scenes that are going on. Yeah, well... And the whole Oedipal complex that we're going to get to. Yeah. He is now going to pull himself out of the ashes. Linda tells Mario she's had another dream of zombie Oscar. So maybe he's (laughs) tried this before... She's upset that there's this box with him in it as she basically <laughs> puts it down the garbage disposal she in the sink. Flushes him down the sink. We're going to follow down into the pipes. We're going to get some more trippy scenes. Alex gets a jacket from a friend. I think they just kind of walk off for a bit. Victor goes to Linda's place to apologize. Bad idea. She tells him to make himself useful and to go kill himself. And this scene goes on long. And it probably feels more realistic. But in a movie, I I don't need it. Make a quick exit and go. (laughs) Which is a shame because that's the reason why she got the part when they did a screen test with her. She cries well and she screams well. (laughs) So that was was what they really wanted in in her as an actress. Linda starts breaking stuff. She says, I need to get away from this place. Everyone here is evil. She pushes Mari away, says he's evil. We are now, and this is one of the longest ones. This is one that I would definitely cut. Even though it looks good visually, it just goes on forever. It's this really long flyover that we get now, yeah? Yeah, so we're now looking at Tokyo as though it is the model. We're flying over it. But this goes for nearly four minutes I was going to say 10 minutes. It definitely felt a long, a long one. All to get 10 seconds on an airplane of watching a baby being breastfed, basically. Yeah. His that's, baby. That's way too long. His baby? Yeah, I think so. That's the that's the mom that gave him the money for the ticket. I'm pretty sure that that's his... Because she even calls the baby Oscar. You think so? Yeah. That, that's that family. That's the, the, the husband and that mom. Okay. And when when the baby's breastfeeding, she calls the baby... Oscar. All right, that's weird. All right, so are they leaving Tokyo? Yeah, I think so. Okay. 
Interesting. No, I didn't put that together. I really thought, hey, you said in the beginning that Oscar, and we've played it twice now, he really wants to see the view from where the airplane would be. If you're going to spend four minutes on it, spend one minute of it looking out the window <laughs> or something. Give us that view, not right over the buildings for most of it, and then 10 seconds in the airplane, and then you're gone. Yeah, because I think that, again, to me, that's the whole point, is that he's doing this great ascension, where he's like, before we were really close to the rooftops and we were going through walls and stuff, but as this shot drags out and gets longer and longer and longer, we, we realize we're actually getting altitude as well. I really love this whole shot. And then we get onto the plane, we get to the, the mother that he's had the affair with, he sees the baby, he knows, I've got to make a choice. Here's a baby, it's called Oscar, it's my baby, why don't I just jump inside there? But it's 10 seconds, he's already made his decision, nope, I'm not, li and she's not going to be my mother, because he's got serious mother issues, and then he just books it immediately. So it's like, that whole massive build-up for such a short scene really appealed to me, because I, I, I like what it did. I still disagree, I'm glad you like it. <laughs> Alex is going to get into a taxi... Linda is in there with him, flash to the car crash again. We're going to have a long scene following the taxi. We get to the love hotel that looks exactly like the one from the model. model yeah. So, of course, we know we're going to see everyone from the movie having sex now. There are all sorts of possible light areas to choose from as they are having sex. This was referenced in the first walk. Alex said, The light. You want to go to the light, so that's why there's all the weird light here. We're even going to see things like Bruno just doing drugs next to a couple having sex. Victor is taking care of guys in an elevator. But of course, we're looking for Alex and Linda. Yeah, and he doesn't find them, so he eventually leaves the motel. And then it's not until he hears Linda's voice saying, come. And he comes back inside the window. Because we go out of the hotel, and then he has the... I thought they were in just a different room in the hotel. I, th I got the feeling he was leaving. Like, he'd gone through, he couldn't find what he was looking for, because he's pretty depraved what's going on in there. And then he's just like, right, I'm out. And then he hears Linda's voice, and then he's like, oh, come. And he comes back inside. In the hotel, there was a couple that he does leap into the man's mind, I believe. He sees a flash of his mother, which I think indicates, again, that he wants to be close to family. Right. So that's why he heads out to find Alex and Linda. But again, creepily goes into Alex's head first, and we have to see that. And it's way too intimate to be there, like, when you're the brother. This is it just feels wrong It's supposed to, to feel wrong. And then we've got him basically swimming down the birth canal and joining the egg. Which I immediately thought of everything you wanted to know about sex but were too afraid to ask. Yeah. <laughs> but this is less funny. <laughs> yes. But I wasn't surprised. The graphics here, the the CG here doesn't look the best. Not great. <laughs> I honestly, I mean, I'm a bit harsh on it, but I kind of felt that way the whole through. I, I feel like if the visuals were really stunning or really well done or really original, it would be something that maybe would appeal to me. But a lot of this stuff feels like it could be a screensaver. I mean, he did have a really limited budget on this. It was a really, it wasn't made for a lot of money at all. And that's fine. For what he got, I would say I'm impressed with what he, what, what he made. That's fine. You can be impressed with his economical filmmaking, but it doesn't work for me in the final product. We are going to see as well flashes of Linda becoming the mother. 
Mm-hmm. So I think that if we hadn't seen this weird edible complex until now, though how you missed it, I don't know. It's definitely here now. And we're going to cut to black. Oscar's being reborn, laid on Linda's chest. He cries as the umbilical cord is cut. He's going to be put into a crib and <laughs> cut to black again. Words, the void appears. So Because yeah, I was expecting the end, but it was like the void. <laughs> right. But and because done. we had enter the beginning and then we have the yeah. void now. So it could be indicating that the void is reality well the movie's done welcome back to the void Mm -hmm. and even from that implication of he was born and is now back into the void i think that that ties into that fine you could say that but after two hours and 41 minutes i feel like i've left the void and now i'm back into reality where i can make choices for myself I think that's what it is, because I think from the Tibetan Book of the Dead, the void is that place that the spirit goes to before reincarnation. So this whole movie was the void. Well, was the void after Oscar got shot. Honestly, though, I hated it. I watched it twice to get ready for this. You watched it twice? I did. Wow. Because I need to make sure. That's five hours and something. That's a lot. Well... Did you... you I sped up a lot of it. I sped up a lot of it. Some of those four-minute scenes, I was watching those at four times. Right, yeah. Just... Let me just get through. Are they saying anything? If you go beyond four times, I think on the player I have, it goes up to eight. And at eight, you lose all sound. Right. So you can't go that fast without losing sound. So if you want to make sure, oh, were they saying anything here? Was there any voice over here? Four is as fast as you can go without losing that. A lot of stuff was two times. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel bad about it. Yeah. As I said, I think this is an hour and a half movie at best, that's been really stretched artistically, but in a way that doesn't interest me. This could have been, I would say, four really interesting short films. I think I would be interested in seeing Gaspar Noe's short films. He's done a number of them. Mm -hmm. Because I think that the storytelling that happens here, the characters that happen here, this is the type of level you get often with short film because you just don't have as much time. You don't have the time to develop them into full characters. You have, say, 20 minutes to really get the whole story in, and their motivation can be simple because it's a much simpler story. Think about something like Twilight Zone. A lot of those characters were maybe not as in-depth because it was about the story and getting that done. I am kind of curious if his short films are very good because he has a lot of interesting ideas, concepts, even visuals, maybe not my style, but in a short film, I'd be much more forgiving of this than a two-hour and 41-minute movie. Yeah. Well, the way that I see it is that I really enjoyed it. It's a shame that I didn't get to see it all in one go, so I could kind of just have the full experience as it was meant to be. But it's not the thing that I would watch again. I've only ever watched one of his other movies, uh, Irreversible, and I wouldn't watch any of his movies twice, I don't think. It's just like a once-and-done Get the experience and done. Do you want to see all of his other movies now? Uh, yeah, I, I think I would go and watch, but I don't think I would go on like a binge and watch all five, like watch five of them <laughs> in a week. I can probably handle one a month, maybe. It's just not for me. I would like for me to appreciate these kind of movies more, but I'm just not sure that I can. And I'm not sure that in the future, like if you said, oh, now I really want to watch one of his others. I might do it, (laughs) but you'd probably have me coming in with the same attitude again. I think that I'm 
somewhat in the minority on the decision on this one, though, because by all the aggregate measurements, even on Metacritic, I think it was at 69, which is a little low, but as with all Metacritic, you have about 20 reviews, and some are 100, and some are at zero. zero. Yeah, exactly. But there were enough to kind of balance it out and still say, well, it's at about 69, 70%. So I think that a lot of people are getting something out of this that I'm just not. And I'm kind of wondering what I'm missing, or am I missing anything? I wouldn't see it like that either. Like, it's, it's probably the same. I feel the same way about superhero movies. I'm obviously missing the point big time on Marvel movies because I don't really like them. And they do nothing for me because every single movie is the same to me. Yeah, different bits happen, different superheroes, and but they're all cookie-cutter movies for me, and I don't get why it's a billion-dollar industry. I'm obviously wrong about that too, you know? So, I mean, we just see things differently. Gats for the more, gats created.